And welcome to the fourth episode of Downs Your Way. Hmm. And today I'm talking to you from the place where all the magic happens. I am at Shay Steve Burkett's yeah. with Steve Burkett and yeah. Rebecca Down. I have at last got the both of them together to pick up the. We thread. don't like being together. We no, sometimes but we are sitting each apart. Other. Oh, yeah. Sitting at each side of the room in case we start fighting. Exactly. Oh, come on, Steve, scrap it up. Yeah. Okay. So, but got them both together at long last to pick up the threads of the theme of Back to the Start. So, if you remember in the first two episodes, I talked individually to Rebecca and then to Steve about how their musical interest and careers had started. And in both cases, brought them both to the point where they met. So, today mm. we'll pick up from that point and take it from there. So, yes. the obvious first question, without any further ado, is how did you meet? You can tell your part of it, and I'll tell you my part of it. Is it going to be different? Though? He says pointing to Rebecca, which doesn't work on a podcast at all. No, I'm also curious that you're going to have no. two different versions. In there your... probably is two different versions. No. Um, basically, I joined like a covers band, um, which was our early incarnation. Is that incarnation? Incarnation. Incarnation, incarnation. thing. Yeah. And... Um, one of the guys who was in the band, Gary Jones at the time, said, I know a great a great guitarist and he's kind of an all round instrumentalist and he's a bit of you know, he's a bit of a pain in the butt, but don't worry about it. He didn't actually say that. Um and there comes along and I remember the the you know, I can see it in my mind's eye now, the rehearsal where Steve Burke comes along and he's got keyboards and he's got guitars and nose flute and you know the whole works because he's a multi-instrumentalist and um, and i just thought this guy's this guy's pretty good actually he's all right you know what i mean he's like he could, damned by faint yeah, praise he's all right you know he could be all right this one and so that's actually how we met and then i didn't know from that first meeting that he wrote songs and his history but then um, a few weeks later, really, it was probably more than that, um, I went around his house and he was playing me some of the stuff he wrote and I was just totally gobsmacked. I just thought, bloody hell, like, why aren't we playing this music? Why aren't we writing together? I write, you write. These songs, you know, it's great to be playing covers. Obviously, I'd sort of taken a bit of time out and, I, you know, and... I didn't. I didn't. wasn't really sure what I wanted to do still because I'd always been in original bands. So it was just a case of, we've got to start playing this material, Steve, because it's like it's pretty good, lad. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how it all started. Sorry. I'm sounding really Wolverhampton today. Oh, yeah. Shall I put on a telephone voice? Are you, you're allowed to sound Wolverhampton because you just beat the Villa over the weekend. Oh, I don't want to like upset any Villa fans. But, I do. But yay, Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steve's a blue nose. Don't hold him against him and please keep coming to the gigs if you're a Villa fan. Thank you. Well, I was okay, a Wolves so... fan briefly. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so my version of that is almost exactly the same. But not good. Um, but it involved two bass players. And eh? the, the guy who set up the covers band that we met. Oh, yeah. John Potter. John Roy Potter. He's a great bass player. Mm. Um, and Gary Jones, who I knew from playing football with, or mm. rather he used to play football, I used to kick people. Um, and also knew him because he'd played a few gigs 
I've done a few gigs with him uh, on bass. He was playing bass guitar. Yeah. I said, okay, I got this covers band. I said, well, you got two bass guitarists. So mm. I mean, it's all right. John's going to play, going to going to play guitar, mm. ordinary guitar. And he showed me a set list, and he said, "I've got this bird who's a half decent singer, you know." She's he was that because a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And um, he showed me the set list. I said, "Well, how are you going to do that without keyboards and backing vocals and saxophone and you know all, all the rest?" Mm. I think you need me. <laughs> <laughs> so. And he wormed his way. In my mild mannered way, (laughs) I got myself into the band. Nose flute. And um, yeah, and and it it sort of changed a a few times, didn't it? A few different personnel changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, And anyway, eventually we we were out doing these covers. And do you want to hear one? Does everybody out there in podcast land want to hear one of the covers that we did? Yes, we do. It was great. It was fantastic. Right, this is one of the. And covers. who's on this? Who's on this now? Uh, Tall Paul. Tall Paul's drumming. Tall Paul's drumming. Uh, What's his? Gary Jones is on bass. Yeah, Gary Jones is on bass. Rick Sanford. Rick Sanford on, on, guitar. on guitar. I'm on keyboards, sax, brass, nose flute, etc. You're wailing, and I'm That's on nice, guitar as well. Nice, isn't it? And it goes. Uh, this is Delbert McClinton. I think. You remember Delbert? would have changed that how I sang that, that but it was alright. I thought you sang that really well. But there was a bit too much of was in my opinion okay. for my vocal yeah but it was alright. So I love that song I love doing that song live it's some fun with that. Yeah uh, there's only two songs left in our set that mm. we did when we were a covers band. What's that? You could put it out in podcast land and see if people can guess. I don't know. End. Okay well by the end of the podcast, see if you can guess, <laughs> if you're knowledgeable in, in the, the what's the names and the intricacies of our set as to what the two tracks are that we still do. That would make set. a good monthly competition question. Oh, God. Okay. Even I don't know free, So it well, won't be revealed at the end, end of, of the, the podcast. podcast. So tough. We may, we, we may extend the field of applicants by putting that in the next monthly newsletter. Mm. And in the meantime, you'll have to tell me the answer as well, because oh, I've no idea. You'll have to tell me the answer. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, okay, so you've, you've met your, your, your what, how did this band that you then sort of got together into, how did that then evolve from that point? Blood, sweat, tears, pain, arguments. Um, no. <laughs> well, yeah, all of the above, really. It's like any band evolves, and you know, you've got you've got a lot of things to consider with uh, moving a band along in, in the direction that we were with original music and stuff. Because all of a sudden, you you're going from doing gigs that are 
you know, uh, quite maybe okay well paid um, and everyone's splitting it and all the rest of it and it being quite straightforward to original music which is, you know, involves way more rehearsals um, and maybe not such steady gigs and mm. maybe hard, a lot harder work and people have got families and all the rest of it. So immediately you get changes in a band because, and you still get changes in a band because mm. people's personal situation changes, which then affects their position in the band. Mm. Like, Mind you, there's a whole element of what we were doing to start off with that didn't involve a band. Because we were just doing stuff on our own, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Just the pair of us. We didn't want um, anyone else. Oh, it's interesting. Well, let, let's Some go back to the to the writing side of it then. So, so you've met, you've got together. What? When did you start writing? And 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 here's another sort of quiz question, almost. But we will try and get an answer to this one here. What was the first track you actually produced together? Well, you know, wrote together. I'm oh saying produced. The wrong word. Yeah, I, wrote together. I know what that was, and I don't think it exists anywhere what because was we it? did. We did a demo of three songs we... at Mark's. Oh, yeah. And one of them was... Um, no, I, I could sing it, but I couldn't tell you what the chorus it's, is. It's that it easy. That no, no, not it's no, that it easy. That. It's so easy. No. It was something with easy in the title. Yeah. Like, was it easy like Sunday morning? No, no, no that, it that was. It's not. very original. It's that easy, because um, that's a song we did later, but there is... A, it, it was a song. what I'm told. Something oh yeah, it was like solely, solely kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean that was. Don't that, start playing that, Colin. I'm not. That, I'm that, not. That, that was sort of the 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 way that we were going down because that was the sort of stuff that I was writing for myself. Mm. So I naturally extrapolated it to the two. It's a good just word. Forced me. It's a good word. That, extrapolated. You yeah, just yeah. forced me into singing it. That's right. Yeah. Um, and there was. Yeah, it was that. Um, and there was also some acoustic stuff because we were going out doing acoustic stuff. Yeah, as we well. were all the time. There's some amazing open mics that we did. That's um, really funny. Just, to, just, just incredible. Sort of but let's not. We digress. But, um, we digress indeed. Some amazing people on the scene so, yeah. in Birmingham. I mean, um, the, the earliest thing that anybody's going to have is that very first EP, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. didn't ever get printed or produced no. anywhere. No. I think no. for. Which is good, really. <laughs> no, sorry, you're, you're, I think you're talking about the, the three songs didn't get printed or produced. Yeah, yeah. But it, so, I think Steve's talking no, about the real life EP. Yes, that's, that's, that's the, the first oh, thing right, that, okay. that anybody out there in general public land would be able yeah, to Yeah, because we were to. playing um, Real Life, the song, yeah. uh, acoustically, and we were yeah. playing the other songs on there acoustically. Um, and we, we kept being asked, like, what genre are you? And all the rest of them just didn't know, to be honest. We were just writing songs. Um, and it took us a long time, I think, to realise exactly what we want to say and what we want to... or how we want to say it. We know what we want to say, but it's how we want to say it. If you want to pin it down, it became sort of country bluesish. It did at the time, Slightly yeah. southern, mm. you know, bluesish. That, 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 that's where mm. people were trying to put us, although... There was all sorts of stuff going on. Mm. So let, let's look at how how you work together, because that's always a question that is asked whenever we have an interview or we, you know, you're you're on the radio or, or, or whatever. Mm. So just just talk us through how you work together and how you how you got to that way of working together. You know, again, what the evolution of that was from the time you first met. Well, actually, we both work differently, mm. which is a bit weird. Um, in that if Bex is writing a song, she will always write 
I'll just talk about it like she isn't in the room. I'm not yes. in the room. She's just left. By you me. can just talk about um, it. Fine. She'll always write the lyrics and the melody and a chord thing, which is generally on piano or on mm. guitar. And the two things go in, in separately. Is yeah, that, I couldn't write word? without writing no. the lyrics. Whereas I work completely differently. Um, whereas... I'll come up with a guitar riff, a drum rhythm, a chord sequence, something like that. Um, and then I'll put like some murmured vocals to it, which it sounds like somebody sort of broadcasted from outer space. And then I'll, once I've got a vibe from that, I'll then really squeeze out the lyrics. That's the difficult mm. bit for me. Mm. Um, With me, the lyrics are always sort of just there. As soon as mm. I go to sing, the lyrics come out. And I always think it's a bit weird sometimes because you just think, where on earth has this come from? But it just sort of is downloaded into my brain somehow and they just mm. fall on the page. It's a bit weird. So what will happen, um, by and large, if Bex has written a, a tune, she'll send me over a, a rough version of that with vocals and a bit of guitar and what have you. And say, please make this better, Steve. Thanks. <laughs> I drop the idea onto Logic and then we start adding all the instrumentation and what have you. Whereas with me, I'm already putting the instrumentation down mm. as I write. And uh, and then we just develop the things together. sometimes together. Sometimes, sometimes we're, we'll just get an idea together. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, I can't, what was it? Uh, Mess, Never Gonna Learn. Never Gonna Learn, Messed Up. Messed Up, um, which were both, you know, oh, I've got a bit of an idea. Okay, yeah. Mm. Oh, we, that, you said Messed Up. Oh, it hasn't got a chorus. Yeah. Said, okay, yeah, I'll put a chorus to that. Yeah. Um, Big Sky. Big Sky. Um, was just a sort of chord thing I'd got going, and Bex put some vocals and words to it. So it's every which way, basically. Mm. I, I think one of the observations I, I would make is that uh, that might be slightly different to other artists is that you, you, you both write all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I do see, I mean, I'm, I know very little about the process, but I do see other people sort of announcing they're going, they're going off to write, you know, mm. they, they're, they're, you know, retiring somewhere to write or they're, or they're booking studio time That's to write, etc, etc. Mm. Et yeah. But you, you guys, and I mean, I know from personal experience, uh, certainly, uh, you know, being with Rebecca, and I think I've mentioned this before on here, that, you know, halfway through a conversation, she'll suddenly sort of, you know, hold her hand up, and rush from the room, clutching a mobile phone, mm. and from, a, from another room, somewhere down a corridor, you can mm. hear... You know, caterwauling, caterwauling into, mm. and then she comes. All right, that's all right. I just needed to get that down. Mm. So uh, that that's true, is it? You're both you're both writing all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, you've got to, in my opinion, I mean, my nightmare would be saying, okay, we've got to do an album. Mm. We've booked studio. In we go into the studio. What we're we going to do now? Ah! I know. <laughs> it's always what? yeah. I don't know. It's just for me. Like I've always always had songs in my head, even when I couldn't. Uh, play an instrument when I was like in um, infant school so between the ages of what is it four and seven and I'd just be on the playground and I'd just be making up songs and all the kids would go oh Becky make up another pop song like so I'd just stand and make up a song you know so it was always even before I actually thought about it as anything real it was just something that I did something that always happened you know so it's for me, it's just something that you couldn't, I could never, I wouldn't want to shut off. There's always something going around in my head. I can't. I wake mm, up first thing yeah. in the morning and there's a tune going around in my head. I don't know what it is, but there'll be a tune going around in my head. So, I mean, very often 
when um, we were talking about this in rehearsal the other day, mm-hmm. when we get into the studio to put uh, an idea down and some people say, okay, well, do, do your guitar part now. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, what the hell did I play? Because yeah. I did it probably getting on for 12 months ago. Or more. Or more. And I probably did it at sort of half past nine in the morning in my dressing gown. Mm. So suddenly I'm going, what, what did I play then? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to work I it. mean, we always... Yeah, normally... I'm a cover version of what I originally wrote. Possibly a little too much information in that last... I've got a visual now. <laughs> Maybe, yes. Yeah, so. um, no, no, it's true. A vision that... But it is a case of, you know, we will look at the songs, we'll get about... We'll, we'll pick... Well, automatically, for me, the best ones will rise to the top, and we generally mm. feel the same, both of us. And then we'll try and discern what the hell it was that we played on them. Yeah. And then try try and open those up to the band. Well, let, mm. yeah, let's go back to the process a little bit. Because, again, if we pick up a theme that you're writing all the time, you're, 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 you're drawing these songs together into something mm. tangible. Yeah, just talk us through the process of creating the demo version of them that you go through. I'll pass this to Steve because it's his area. Okie dokie. Um, I think the best whole process example is the whole of More Sinner Than Saint, mm. uh, the title track and the whole of the album. Mm. Um, so what will happen is, let's say I've got an idea of my own, or Beck sends over an idea. So first of all, I say, okay, let's beat map that. Let's, let's actually find a tempo that's going to work for that. Sometimes that might shift a little bit. Um, we then put down, I'll program some drums in, because once you've got a drum beat, you've got a groove. Mm. Um, then very often if Bex has sent down an idea, I'll just put that as like a, um, a template and then play in the guitar parts and the keyboard parts and the bass parts and all the rest of it and look at some harmonies. So by the time all of that is finished, We've got a pretty fully fleshed out demo yeah. on Logic, um, which is, if you don't know what Logic is, Logic is a multi-track thing um, that, that, I, that I've got, um, that a lot of, lot of bands use or they use Pro Multi-track Tools and software. Yeah, that's the one. Well, what happened with, um, with the Sinner album is that we had Chris Kimsey as, as an advisor, if mm-hmm. you like. So once we'd got to that stage of having an all, a whole album of demos and a few more, because mm. we had a load of things, mm. it was a case of, let's just run them past Chris, see what he thinks. You know, mm. Do you think that tune works You know, in the general mm. feel of the album? And he'd go yes, or he'd go no. And sometimes we'd agree, and sometimes we'd disagree. Yeah. Breathe out, he, he didn't like, but I think it's a fantastic song. So it ended up on the album. Yeah. And then it would be a case of, well, does that little section there go on a little bit too long? Can we trim mm. that down a bit? And he'd go, no, no, that's great. Or he'd go, yeah, yeah, you want to just sort of take mm. that down a little bit. And it was great having somebody with his experience yeah. and just basically just, you know, having worked with so many people and, and just being somebody that's very much into the music, you know. Yeah. I think you can play songs to some people and you realise that they're only listening to it on quite a peripheral yeah, yeah. level. But somebody like Chris immediately, you can tell he's, in you know, interrogating what's going on in the yeah. song and how it evolves. So it's just, you know, and the guy's a legend. It's well, I mean, it was amazing great, wasn't to work it? with him. You, you, you know, you'd imagine you're sitting down with the guy who recorded the Rolling Stones, for God's mm. sake. You know, he did start me up. I remember yeah. asking him about how he got the, the drum sound for Start mm. Me Up, which I thought was wonderful. Um, but he, because he was so 
well, just lovely about everything. Mm. It was great. But yeah, but yeah it was... Um, it was education just to work with him. Because sometimes you can work with people, and we've worked with people that, you know, you play them a song and you get back, I don't like it. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's useful. <laughs> How about saying why you don't like it yeah. if there's points you think it could change, but you sort of get, I don't like it. Yeah. You think, well, uh, we're not on the playground anymore. Can we get a little no. bit more from you? But, of course, Chris is, you know... Just great to work with, and it wouldn't be. I don't like it. It would be. Nah, well, I don't know whether this works, but that works, or does it work against the background of those songs that you really like? You know, it's a a more open viewpoint, really. I I think from my point of view, I find really good about this because I mean my contribution is limited to, uh, you know, the I like it or don't like mm. it. Um, but I mean, I know when you were producing these demos, and I and I said uh, the other day when we were talking about it that I I've got left on my iPod twenty two songs. That's right. That did not make There's more a sin, load of more, material. more sinner than saint. Yeah. And so over time, and it's interesting because those songs started arriving with me, and I started forming an album of demos mm. way way back. You know, not not long after actually uh, Believe came mm. out. And it grew and grew, and interestingly, the, the the running order, the pecking order, the top twelve, evolved over time. But then, even at the last minute, mm. the, the 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 last sort of you know, it's almost like the football, you know, the, the final day of the football season. That yeah. somebody just scraped into the playoffs, as yeah. it were, and then breathe out as an example. Because yes, Chris did sort of rather re reject that. But I mean, I was always very keen on it. And I know eventually we all got keen enough to bring it back in. And then when, when Tony Clarkin's guitar solo went on it and, and you know, did actually substantially change it from, from the demo, but it, it, you know, it created mm. a song that has very much has mm. a place on that album. Yeah. So, so we, we have this process, we, we get the demo. So we get to that point, we've decided with the device, you know, which are the in the candidate tracks. Mm. Um, let, let's talk through the, the, the current recording process, you know, what you've done for the, the albums to date, how that's worked. So what we did after that is we get everybody together. They've, they've had the demos. I've done chord charts and stuff like that. Um, and we do a, a couple of days of rehearsal mm -hmm. on them so that we've, you know, just fine-tuned tiny little bits here and there, make sure everybody knows roughly what's going on. What we what we tried out last time, we tried out doing like whole band recordings. Mm. It didn't work because we've never worked like that. I mean, that was Chris's idea, which was you know I can see why he was doing it because you know it's a you nice can sort capture of, a lot of nice, energy like nice that. organic type thing to be doing. But what we've always done, we've always had this demo um, as a template, and then I said to everybody, okay, we we know what the parts are roughly. Go in and make it better. Mm. So Lloyd, bless him, went in and I think he did the drum parts in about two days. Yeah. So he's basically, he's already done a demo on the on his drum parts, but then he's gone in with the kit and the recording stuff. And then basically everybody goes in, puts a bass part down, put keyboard part down, and they're just gradually building up the whole track from the demo and then looking at whatever else we might need to put on. And for last mm. album, we did Bex's vocals here, recorded yeah. them in, in, in this place. On this microphone that on I'm pointing this, to here, again, it doesn't work. On this microphone, and I think it's for a singer. I mean, I've never really been that happy in a studio situation. Um, we always do the vocals here for the demos. Anyway, we've got um, a mic booth, which is still quite open, which doesn't make you feel shut off. Um, 
And I just feel way more comfortable doing them here. Uh, I mean, Steve are so used to doing the vocals for the demos and they just flow so easily that there's kind of less pressure on me as a vocalist and it's just way, way easier to do them like that. Mm. The, the, the one tiny little downside of that is that somewhere on that album, if you listen carefully, I swear you can hear Sky Sports in the background and Frankie barking. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you took if the, if you took the isolated isolated vocal track somewhere. There was a demo that you produced that had Frankie Burkett rattling his food tin. Yeah, he <laughs> almost, did. almost in time. time with the beat. But, Should have kept that in. Actually, actually, sort of subtly out of time with the beat, which gave it a dimension of its own. And actually, oh, yeah, when yeah. the final product came out, I really missed that. You know, <laughs> I was listening for it. I was expecting that, it, that and it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. That, it just wasn't there. That that metallic yeah. rattle for two or three beats just was missing, which was really quite sad. So <laughs> you, you're, so you you. You go through this process. We we then get the final pro so and and hitherto obviously we've worked with Mark at um, at the Mad Hat Studios at Coven near Wolverhampton. Uh, we we get the finished product and then we 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 get into the the you know the, the interesting area of mixing. And I think mm. everybody's sort of heard this story before, really, of of how we we got uh, others involved this time for various reasons. But perhaps one or the other of you would just like to pick up the thread on that, really. Well, this is Bex, really. This is, um, this is your job because it's the LA. Connection. It's the LA connection. That's me and my American accent. Um, well, we've got. Um, some finished mixes which me and Steve were very very happy with um but we went over I went over to LA with Colin and we were speaking to our American management and the, we've got a lot of connections over there um a sync agency over there which syncs your music to um film and tv and stuff like that and they were they were listening to the demos and uh, sorry the finished mixes that were done and I think they just wanted a bigger sound. They wanted a different sound, um, a kind of wider, more filmscape sound, I mm -hmm. would have thought. Um, so they had a, a friend of theirs who's the amazing Bill Drescher here of Allman Brothers fame. Oh, my gosh. Um, Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield. Spinal uh, Tap. Spinal Tap. <laughs> Uh, Armageddon soundtrack, the Titanic soundtrack, you know, he's done so much. Stranger Things. Stranger, Stranger Things. things. Um, That's the film, uh, TV series rather than a statement on what he gets up to in his spare time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Bill. Um, and I went to see him and he, he, he produced um, the single More Sinner Than Saint um, to give us a, an idea of how he would mix it. Um, and I just openly wept in his studio because I just didn't, I kind of, I never knew that it would sound like that. Um, it was just such a, a defining moment for me. Um, Steve had heard it first, even though he wasn't in LA, because the time difference, I didn't have any decent speakers to play on, so Steve had heard it at home and I didn't know his reaction because we both yeah. wanted to react separately so we were both singing from the same hymn sheet and i was just overwhelmed i know yeah just i know i know as soon as i heard that i thought if bex has sat down in bill's place and listened to this there'll be tears mm. because it was like the sound in our heads wasn't mm. it this is what we were 
aiming for. And there she was, crying her eyes out in his studio. The poor guy looked horrified, and I had to turn to him and say, well, actually, Bill, I didn't think it was that bad. Really. I know, I know. <laughs> and again, it was a case of, look, if you don't like this, just tell me, I'll, you know, if there's pot, you know, he was very, very, you know, sweet. And, you know, again, for a guy that's surrounded by gold discs, quite literally, um, very, very open to anything that we didn't like. I mean... And so then he went on and mixed, uh, it was... Four others. Four others. Four other songs, so it's five in total, um, which the American management were using to plug us over in America. Bill is a crazy busy guy, obviously, (laughs) and obviously in great demand. Um, By the time, you know, it came around to it, we'd come back, We'd got a different schedule, he'd got a different schedule, and we needed somebody to mix the other songs on the album to within a same sonic landscape as the ones that Bill had mixed. Uh, we were working with Danny Bowes uh, of Thunder fame, and he suggested his bass player, Chris Charles, who also, you know, has a studio, mixes, masters, all the rest of it. So we gave the rest of the tracks to Chris, and, you know, lo and behold, he does exactly what, what he'd said on the tin, you know. He made them sit completely mm. sonically in the same landscape as the tracks that Bill had done. And if, you, if you're not sure, for, for people who are not sure what the actual process of mixing is, um, what they, well, it can be several different things, but what they did, both Bill and um, Chris, what they did is basically take all the parts that we'd recorded. They didn't record any extra parts. Mm. They didn't do the sort of thing, you know, total remix as your father. Um, But it's sort of getting different levels of instruments and particularly the levels of reverb that you've Um, got on instruments to create stereo mixing and and a very distinctive sound to Bex's vocal, which was perfect for what we were doing. Um, I I can actually pick now Bill Drescher's vocal sound for, for Bex. I know what it is. Mm. Um, and it's it's if you want to just a word for it, it's big, massive. <laughs> you know, it's a big, expansive sound, mm. um, and but also quite aggressive when it needs mm. to be, um, and that is just a case of EQing the instruments, stereo spread, reverbs, and stuff like that, and just getting the power that is needed, um, which is, it isn't altering the recording; it's just fine tuning it really. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, well, thank you. I, I mean, it, what I think it would be great to do in a future episode is to perhaps pick up uh, the journey of a song mm. uh, uh, that might hopefully end up on the next uh, album and just really look at uh, maybe how that evolves from the scratchy guitar in the bedroom through yeah. through to the you know the finished product because mm. that would that would be interesting. I mean, I know. <laughs> probably you I can see you both looking horrified at the thought of some of that early day stuff you know ever making it making it public but if you you know it would be I think interesting for everybody mm. concerned just to see how how something grows mm. and and how uh, you develop it and then how the musicians who actually record it develop it mm. and then the mixer develops etc because it is a journey isn't it, it I mean I know a that's a hackneyed expression but it but it is a journey and I think uh, what I really like about because you know you were doing the same thing with Believe and I and I remember having the demos of Believe and then listening to the end product uh, and and you certainly notice if you go back to the demos for More Sinner Than Saint and listen to the end product that they went on a longer journey 
definitely yeah, on a definitely. longer longer journey. And this is all, you know, it's all a matter of opinion really as to, you know, what it should sound like. And what, But you guys, I, I think the important thing that I always bear in mind is that you start off with a vision for your song. At some point mm. in this formative process, you create that vision and it's usually expressed in a demo. And then all you want to see happen to it after that is for it to be better, yep. isn't it? That's yeah, it. that's that's the mantra. Take this, make, make it, it better. better. Yeah, and that and that you know that that's in, that's interesting as to, as to how that's actually achieved, given that everybody who comes to it obviously has 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 a different perspective. I think mm. the the biggest difference between me and Steve songwriting wise is that Steve actually can hear and see the finished product where I can't. You know, I can't, I mean, Steve will, you know, the bass lines that some of, that Steve has put down to some of the songs like uh, Stand On My Feet are integral to that song. They're, you know, they, I, I can't listen, I can't imagine that song without that bass line, but, you know, that was an original, you know, the original idea for that came from me, but I could never have envisaged that bass line. So Steve kind of, can see and and visualize the whole song and the thing is steve has never ever taken an idea of mine somewhere i didn't want it to go it's always been like oh my god yes that's totally right rather than oh my god what's he done there you know it's never that's never ever happened but i see on a very straightforward level the this is the verse chords and that's the chorus chords and this is the melody line and lyrics and then Steve hears the drums and hears what the bass should sound like and hears what the keys should be doing. So, you know, he, he's a very... Thank God for him. Thank you. <laughs> well, Sound of My Feet would be a good one. You're calling it you on about sort of do, breaking it down and doing a sort of behind-the-song type uh, mm. podcast. That would be a really good one to do because I, I, can, I can chart that almost down to the time I received the email in 2014 mm-hmm. from Bex and it was like this is an idea we can work on this one. well I'd, I'd love to do that one because I, I think that and you, you've probably all heard the story of Stand On My Feet but that was a song as Steve said that started in 2014 was around at the time of Believe and mm-hmm. was quite rightly seen as to be left field at that point mm-hmm. and therefore not uh, and, and in fact, I don't think I even got to hear it at that stage. And then one day, for some reason, it arrived with me and I listened to it and I just thought, you know, the, the opening notes just got me instantly. And I thought, this is, you know, this is brilliant. I remember saying mm. to Rebecca, this is amazing. You've got to get this out there. And it kind of that. It almost was part of the process of sort of the shift mm. that we went through from belief to mm. more sinner than saint was. Mm. And, and I think from a. You know, like a management perspective, uh, you, you know, one is conscious of the vast volume of material that's going out there all the time. Mm. And what I'm really looking for is something that I personally see as exceptional. Because, I mean, you write great songs and that those 22 tracks, I mean, there are... There are one or two on there that I'm sure we would all agree are mm. probably not above, you know, the, the kind of minimum bar. But there are there are numbers that come along now when I'm, the thing's on random, and I think, oh, this is a great song. Where who's is this? And then I realise it's yours. Um, it just doesn't currently sort of fit with anything. So mm. so there's, there's there's great songs there, but I think what we're really trying to do all the time is to sort of pick something out that that is exceptional. Mm. And I think one of the highest pieces of praise for More Sinner Than Saint is that people struggle to 
give it a pecking order, don't they? Yeah. They struggle to, you know, all 12 tracks are great. And then people really struggle to sort of pick a favourite or to pick mm. one that they, they don't like. So long may that continue. And I think for us, like me and Steve, it has defined exactly what we want to do, what mm. we want to sound like. Yeah. It is that kind of, yeah, it's rock, but it's almost like haunting a lot of it. Very filmscape. Mm. Elements of all sorts mm. of bands as well in there. And... We don't worry too much about um, genres that much, no. No. But um, as opposed to, you know, oh, it's got to be bluesy, it's got to be soul, it's got to be rock. It can be a little bit of all sorts. Mm. And the more that gets mixed into a track, like Stand On My Feet, there's all sorts of genres in there, mm. um, the better. Um, and we don't worry about it having to be pigeonholed. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, uh, we will return, as we've already suggested, to looking I at different aspects. We will be back to the issue of songwriting and how, how it develops, and particularly as the new album develops. But I will pick up Steve's idea, I think, and if we can look at a song from sort of conception to completion, I think that would be very, very interesting. Wouldn't it be funny them. to play the original demo that I had on my phone? Well, that's what I mean. Because it sounded yeah. bloody awful. <laughs> no, but I, I think, but I think oh, that, would, that, would, that would be the essence of... of you know that would show people how this develops i think that would be a fantastic thing to do because i think if you could go from that and enter that finished demo and enter the final product you know yeah. you can see the journeys that these these songs take and i wouldn't be at all embarrassed about what was on that phone because that's the seed for it isn't it mm -hmm. at the end of the day if it hadn't been for that you wouldn't have had a song anyway i'm conscious of time so at this point i think i must thank both of you for another excellent contribution i hope our pleasure I hope everybody listening has found it interesting. As ever, if you have questions, feedback, or things that you'd like to see covered in future podcasts, please get in touch by whatever means uh, is suitable. Message, email, carrier pigeon. If you want to WhatsApp Frankie Burkett. Yeah, Frank, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Frankie Burkett. He's busy is working on our next album. He's very busy. He's, yeah. uh, he's, he's not made an appearance thus far. We shut him out the door. <laughs> and the postman hasn't turned up, so, that, oh. so that's good. Oh, yeah. So Don't forget the quiz question. Um, well, no, that'll go somewhere else. What okay. I will say is, as ever, there is a discount code for merchandise. Uh, if you wish to uh, avail yourself of that, if you enter the code DOWNS, which is in capitals D O W N E S, at the end of the checkout process on rebeccadowns.com forward slash shop, you will avail yourself of a 5% discount on all the items Woo! that you that you buy <laughs> that discount code will be available for two weeks Does my from dad know about that the publication of the podcast um we'll be back again in two weeks time with another episode and in the meantime it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me Ta -da. all i gotta say is 